is up, everyone? Welcome to another week of everybody's favorite podcast. And I'm going to need some help with this one. Kevin, tell them what it is. TV channeling, analing, analing. <sighs> and the crowd goes wild. Wild. Absolutely wild. My name is Tachi. And my name is Kevin, and we are super excited because we are doing an old school episode of TV channeling. We're not just giving you a review of a new show. We're also giving you the latest entertainment news. Remember that episode of The Simpsons where I think it was uh, in sync? was on there yes. was, they were like doing it old school that's what we're doing, <laughs> we're doing it old school <laughs> oh millhouse oh uh, you i think it's i think his name i think they changed his name to like b money or something like that something or m like house that. or something they changed i remember they changed his name when he was in his boy band oh yes. my god yeah <laughs> So we're doing it old school. With <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what's funny is that ties in perfectly to our uh, uh, review. We're actually reviewing Peacock's brand new series, Girls 5 Ever. Girls 5 Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. For, well, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until the end. But go okay. ahead, Kevin. I know you have something to say about what this is and who they are, even though we actually teased this when we did our trailer review yeah when we did a will you watch it and will so, you watch it yeah well yeah it turned out we had to watch it so we so we <laughs> did watch it and uh, we actually watched the first two episodes so let me give the audience a synopsis and refresh their memory on what girls five ever is about oh, a one-hit wonder band from the 90s gets a second shot at fame when they're sampled by a young star so, uh, like I said before, we watched episodes one and two of Girls 5 Eva, <laughs> the new Peacock series. Oh, my God. And it stars uh, Sarah Bareilles and um, um, Renee uh, Ellis Goldsberry mm -hmm. and um, Busy Phillips and the rest. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling a Gilligan's Island. That's just oh, one left. Paula oh, just one. Well, there was, you know what? Gilligan's Island did pull the same thing with it. And the rest. It was only two more people to name. <laughs> and they couldn't be bothered at the time until, until the lawyers got involved and then they named everybody. <laughs> and all y'all. So that's what <laughs> <laughs> So this screams Tina Fey. If you if you if you don't think so, I do. But oh, I absolutely I absolutely agree. You could you could her fingerprints are all over it. But when the thing that I couldn't get over was it did take me back. It gave me all kinds of Spice Girl feels because at the beginning of the episode, we find out how they got their name or what their name is about. So when they're on TRL, uh, Total Request Live back in the day on MTV, yes. Carson Daly asked the members of the group, you know, uh, why are they called Girls 5 Eva? And so uh, they answered because uh, they're going to be around uh, and in the game long Longer than forever. Forever, so, yes. So it's going to be five ever. So it's even five ever is even longer than forever. I, I, I get it. And then it's like, well, how'd you guys get together? And then um, Renee uh, chimes in and, and tells Carson, uh, "We've been uh, we've been best friends ever since we auditioned for a man in a motel room in New Jersey." <laughs> 
And so <laughs> that was the same because I don't know if you remember the controversy with the Spice Girls when they first, uh, you know, when they first came on the scene. It was kind of like they were selling them like, oh, we're just all this best friends, and uh, we just kind of this is a spontaneous thing. But then it came out, no, you guys all auditioned, and then your friendship began once once these men decided that you would guys look good together, and and then the, your friendship was born. And so yeah, they've been best friends since they were hired to be friends, much like. Like real housewives exactly because <laughs> like, i mean not to go off on a tangent you know not a tangent but a tangent the with the housewives it's like that you'll ask them well how long have you known each other and it's like oh well such and such of and i have known each other you know for a while but that doesn't mean they were friends atlanta is small so it's a big city, but it's small. So everybody knows each other. So you know of people and you know the circles that people run in, but that doesn't mean that you all are actually friends. So it feels like it's one of those types of things. And then they just try to play it off like, oh yeah, we've been friends for years. Okay. So it, it yeah, seems- knowing each other or having heard of somebody or knowing somebody who knows somebody is not, does not make you friends. And so, yeah. and that's yeah. another thing. And, and your friends don't change every season where all the, oh, this is, oh, here's my new friend friend i mean with six degrees of separation if that's the case i'm friends with esther roll so um you know but what i also love about <laughs> the other back on the tangent of the housewives i also just love the idea that like my you can tell when people are on the show and real friends and not friends because the moment somebody's no longer on the show they're no longer at any of your events they're not at your wedding they're not at your baby's christening they're not at the opening of your new business so it's like wait a minute so i think you guys really weren't friends because the only friends that seem to come are the friends that we see in the opening credits of the show exactly exactly or you'll see be somewhere random with them and they won't be if they were tight like that they would be at you know, just about everything. Why is it at a housewives sponsored event that you only see these people, like you say, instead of like going about town and you see, well, oh, I see you with Shabubu and Shanene. What about the rest of them? And no, the rest- I, I only I could only have lunch with people that are on the show. That's the only people I ever have lunch with or am seen doing anything with. And, then- and also another one last trope, and then we'll get back to the review. Yeah, is I love the fact that nothing can be discussed on the phone. That we have to always meet to discuss, like literally something that takes two minutes to discuss. Just like you know, I'll meet you at such and such restaurant, and then we get to the restaurant, and so like, so Tashi, what is our next episode going to be about? It's going to be about we're going to review Girls Five Eva. All right, I'll see you later we hug and say goodbye like why, why or, did we come or, here or we're like or we're like well kevin that's not what we discussed we i don't feel that we need to talk about girls five ever i don't know why you're always trying to impress upon me this stupid show and you're like whatever and then we all we leave in a huff and, we <laughs> and then, you, then you then you throw champagne in my face and leave exactly in a huff <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's as contrived as that. So this whole thing, I think it is they are making fun of that trope. Basically, that is really a throwback to that whole controversy with the Spice Girls. And, you know, truth be told, some of some of these other groups that tried to pretend like they knew each other. Oh, so many, really these, didn't. so many of these boy bands and girl groups. And that's nothing. Why were the boy band? They weren't. If you're not playing an instrument, you're not a band. You are a group. But anyway, exactly. uh, these uh, boy groups and girl groups, they were. Yeah, there were people hired them. Uh, they, they did auditions and they and they put them together like, you know what? You'll be the sexy one. 
you'll be the smart one, you're going to be the wild one, and you're going to be the unobtainable one, and you're Baby Spice. And so, <laughs> anyway, they, they would put them together. They had, like, a little weird checklist of what they thought, uh, you know, the different archetypes were that girls wanted to watch when it came to boy bands or girl groups or, or whatever and put it together. But, okay, one of the things that was so hysterical to me was they had they were one hit wonder they had one album and then they had their second album came out on september 10th yes. and it was and, and their first single off the album was <laughs> was quit flying planes into my heart and exactly on and they were just the stewardesses in the music video and <laughs> exactly exactly and, and september 10th 2001 Exactly. Okay, so that, that's, that's why okay. they that's why their they their follow up did not go well. Yeah, well, you know what? My thing is at least they had a cons- uh, a solid reason as to why it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually quite clever. So Oh, no. So that now, to me that was like that okay, was yes, Tina Fey's fingerprints are all over this. All over because that is classic Fey humor. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, another oh, another thing that was really fun was when um uh, one of the singers in the original five, her her name was Ashley, and um she we we learned that she was in other groups before Girls Five Eva, and she feels like this is going to be th- different. This is going to be the band that lasts because she was in groups like Daddy's Crush, yes, <laughs> yes, J O Sisters, not Sister Sisters, <laughs> and 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 another group called Ann Twins, not Ann. A N D twins was the name of, <laughs> and then, but, 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 but and Diva but, Cups. That's the one that I was like, Diva Cup. Do you know what a Diva <laughs> Cup is? I think I do. But <laughs> I know. I just I don't. Without Diva getting too into it, it is used for internal protection during certain times of the month. That's yes. what a diva cup is. Well, I was like, it was what? Also, a '90s a girl group that we did not know about. Apparently, I guess. I guess the hell. So, oh wait, can I talk about the the outfits? It was a total throwback because they started in 1999, right? So it was yes. that late '90s, early 2000 vibe of things where there were a lot of halter tops. T-shirts were uh, shorter than they were. T-shirts were tighter than they are now. Even though you know they all they evolved to have rather than just the boxy tees the women's style tees but back then i didn't i guess i didn't notice they were tight they were oh, like oh my thin. god if you, if you want to go back watch old episodes of uh of uh charmed jesus christ yes. it's like you forget how much things change until you watch something from another period and just like oh my god every every t-shirt they had was like baby they were wearing baby nothing but baby, baby tees and like baby and tees. their bellies were always showing or peeking out and they had these low-rise jeans that were literally you could practically see their vagina in every pair of pants they wore that's how low those rises were and <laughs> It was great. And just like that looked perfectly normal at the time. It really was. And it's like, I, you know, I remember uh, saying to myself, I can't wait till this low rise craze is over. Because whenever you would go to the store to buy some pants, every pair of pants was like low rise, not even mid rise. Because I'm like, okay, I'm cool with, they don't even have to be high rise. I, I'm cool with mid rise. But they were all like low rise. I'm like, 
one false move and you're done for. So well, you know who never gets credit for doing this? And I believe this is the case. And I wish we had a fashion expert on the show to tell me if I'm wrong uh, or dispute this or tell us where this where this craze came from. I believe it was um, it was from uh, Mariah Carey because when she what was the song that she did that had Jay-Z rapping at the beginning? Uh, was it Taste of Honey? No, it wasn't Taste of Honey. It was another song that Jay-Z raps at the beginning of. And in that video, it was a, she was wearing these jeans and she talked about it in some interview how she had her stylist cut the uh, waistband off of the jeans. Interesting. Interesting. And so in whatever that video was, um, yeah, those jeans are low. And I thought that was the first time when she that everybody went so crazy when she did that and she actually was asked about it in interviews and that's when i thought that was the beginning of all of that i think you're right i think you're right i think there are other you know instances but that was the most notable one her cutting the waistband or having her waistband cut off of her jeans and it just started this craze this awful craze because i never want to see the low-rise craze again let's let's be clear that that's over we don't do that anymore. But yeah, Kevin, good for you for picking up on that fashion moment. Oh, it was heartbreaker. It was the heartbreaker. Uh, I had to look it up because I okay. couldn't remember. But I remember that so clearly. So, yeah, that's what I thought was the start of it. But anyway, we'll we'll never know for sure until we get some Anna Wintour. And we know you're a fan of the show. You know yes. what? DM me and let me know for sure if that was the start. Oh, and let us know what day you want to come on the show to discuss such things. We'd love to have you. Oh, top five TV fashion moments. We've been saving that episode for you, Anna. We know how much you love us. <laughs> we love He's always you. so busy. The Met Gala's coming up. So, you know what? We'll talk about it when we see you there. Exactly. Exactly. Because I what, know, our, uh, invites you know are, our invites are in the mail, I'm sure. Exactly. And shoot shoot me a DM with, uh, you know, just slide it to the DMs and let me know what the theme is this year. Thanks. Yeah, give us a little bit of a heads up so we can get our stylists on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get our teams. I, I, get, I, get love our teams our, I love our delusions of grandeur. <laughs> I love it. Delusions? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't understand. <laughs> there is a delusion. So thank <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of delusional, okay, Wiki, uh, who's played by Renee uh, Ellis or Elise Goldsberry. It's Elise. Elise. Okay, Elise Goldsberry. Um, she actually was working at the Van Nuys Airport, but she was making it look like she was getting on private jets and living this jet-setting yes. lifestyle and had her own line of uh, bags and shoes that she that when she was a huge hit in, in Asia. And so the funny thing is you can't pull that crap anymore because we can we can look up what's happening in Asia. I love the idea that she's that she's masquerading as having this amazing life and nobody get, does looks into it in the slightest bit. They just take her word for it that she's fabulous all over Asia. Back jet-setting. Sorry, back then it may have worked. Yeah, because, but not now. But she's no. pulling that now. She's on the gram, like up, you know, like living the lifestyle, and head, heading, you know, getting on a private jet. I'm headed to headed back to Jap- Japan or whatever, and just like <laughs> mm, okay, okay. But but, but, the, but the funny thing is this: her her actual job, they could not have gotten her a lower job because I thought, okay, oh maybe she's really she's cleaning the planes or something. No, no. she actually gets paid to shoot the geese that are around, flying around the airport. <laughs> And she gets paid by the goose. By the goose. Like, oh my god! And yeah, I was sitting there wondering, well, how much per goose? That's what I. Was I know. Wondering. I want. They didn't tell us how much she gets paid per. They goose, did but... not. 
that has fallen from a height. That okay. is yeah, you you are down low. You are below low, okay? Be, that's below low. So, let me tell you what that reminded me of. There are so many so many tropes in here, not just tropes, but so many rich pieces of content in here. Do you remember when Bow Wow took a picture yes. and posted on Instagram that this was, he was getting on a private plane. He never said it was his private plane, but he, he was flying on a private plane, right? But then there was a person who followed him apparently, or I don't know if this person followed him, but was on the same commercial flight as this person, as Bow Wow, and took a picture and remembered that he had just posted all this nonsense about going on a private flight. And here was Bow Wow with his hood on or whatever. And then in the middle seat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 it was worse than that. Cause what he Bow Wow did was he literally just went to some commercial, uh, uh, private jet website, took an image from their website. And that shows like, you know, a private jet from the window seat view. And he basically like, you know, on a private jet y'all. And, exactly. so and so someone was like actually literally sitting a, a row away from him, like sees this and then takes a picture and roast that he got roasted online. It could not have been more delicious. And so, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that wiki uh, did. But uh, one of the things that I got to say about wiki that was so great that they did, going back taking us back to that time is they showed her episode of cribs yes which i could not stop laughing because um she so apparently wiki went solo after the the second album bombed Correct. Correct. And, and so she goes on uh she goes solo and her uh solo album what was it called wait a minute it was called oh it was called yesternights not yesterday's, but yesternight's. <laughs> yesternight's. <laughs> and, and so so we see her Malibu, we see her Malibu Beach Mansion. And she was saying how I always, she was, I always love cliffs, which is why I designed my house to be on a Malibu cliff. And then we see that it was ba designed badly because she has a vase on the counter and it just starts sliding Why did God? The house is not level. But and here's the thing where I'm wondering, you know, the they it they allude to the fact that, you know, well, you know, how is all of the they never really had for real gigs. It was always their uh, their, you know, cheesy, sleazy manager just uh, telling them okay, go. And it would be, be at the mall. Okay, go just perform and never really getting them good gigs. So they never really got paid. So we find out that really all of this was living off of credit card, maxing out yeah. credit Oh yeah, cards. no, she was, she was, she was living the lifestyle before she had the money to back it up. And so there are so many tropes, but I love how when we, when we go on her tour of her, of her mansion, um, we see things like, uh, she says, I, she, uh, she said, uh, when she went to the, uh, uh, when she uh, talked to her designer, she said, uh, I went to the theme purple expensive. And then, that was the theme for the whole house. And then another thing that was she commissioned a shelf be built just to display all of her awards. And um, and she only has what well, she one. has this long ass <laughs> she has this she has this long ass mantle for all the awards, and she only has one. And that one award is the Napster Music Award for wettest mouth in a girl group. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. A Napster. 
<laughs> I know, I know, I know. It was so much, so many blasts of the past. And then, if that wasn't enough, um, she she mentions how in Missy Elliott's uh cribs, how she had a uh, how she had a bed that was made out of a Ferrari, and so she said she wanted to do her one better. And she has a uh, she goes she has a bed that looks like a car. I mean, a car that looks like a bed. And she goes, it was she goes actually it was uh, uh, made by Sealy Posturepedic for Alfa Romeo. <laughs> yes! I just like I could not, I could not. It was I was just, like, that's Tina Fey. <laughs> that is so hysterical. I just anyway, it was absolute genius. It was giving me all kinds of uh, early two thousand feels. It was. It I, again. I just could not get over there the fashion. I could not get over the hairstyles as well because there's a very particular hairstyle that if you had like, for example, even if you had like relaxed hair or if you had, um, you know, f- flat ironed and straightened it out, you kind of had. It, it's not like now where it's just straight. There was kind, there was always a little bump or they always tried to give a little volume at the top. If you notice, so that's either by kind of taking the flat iron and giving yourself a little height there or uh, putting some rubber bands and it's a cutesy little stuff. You could so tell clothing from the 90s. (laughs) No, everything was pitch perfect when all the flashbacks, everything is pitch perfect about the look that was happening back then and oh god the songs the that we see some clips of their music and um it's so funny um another thing that was uh i thought was really good was um we uh wiki gets this idea that the key to them coming back oh i forgot to mention okay one thing that happens is so after this this rapper lil smelly or something like that i forget what his name is he samples one of their songs and it turns into an instant hit. And so they get back on the scene because uh, Jimmy Fallon, the tonight show wants to have little, little stinker, whatever his name is on the show. Yes. And they, they think it will be fun to bring the uh, re- reunite girls five Ava uh, and have them come on the show. So one right. of them is actually gone. Ashley had some kind of infi- uh, uh, infinity pool accident. And so she is gone. There's just there's a bench that's just dedicated a bench. to her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, and so now the girls five is now girls four. Um, so which actually makes more sense. Uh, forever. And so they perform on the Tonight Show. They get back together, the four remaining uh, members of the group, and um, they think they're going to go tour with a uh, little stinker, whatever his name is. Speaking but, of but, delusional, but he he feels like they remind him that fame. Is is not is fleeting and he and they're depressing to be around so he does not want to uh, be around them and so they think it's going to be over but then they see they're still getting some kind of buzz on social media so they decide you know what we're going to try and do this on our own we're going to actually try to uh uh get back into the game and uh uh wiki believes uh renee's uh, character believes that the key is them appearing at the jingle ball because in 2001 they got bumped and so uh uh gloria one of the members of the group says you know who didn't get bumped from the 2001 jingle ball artists like pink alicia keys and jay-z none of whom are currently dennis 
like her because so she's a dentist now she's a dentist yeah so (laughs) which is just too funny so let's okay let's go back there's just so much here to look at and pick apart so let's look at the fact of there's so many groups now and so many artists who are experiencing a revival by generations of people who didn't really grow up with their music i keep thinking about mr ocean spray uh, and drinking cranberry juice while listening oh, to yeah, that, oh yeah yeah the uh, Fleetwood Mac Fleetwood came Mac back with dreams because right of, with dreams because of that guy exactly and I first of all dreams is one of my favorite songs so I've always loved dreams absolutely and Fleet, Fleetwood song. Mac Fleetwood Mac Stevie Nicks always loved them so but you know that is that's really you know before my generation if you yeah think you can about it. anybody can be brought back now with some kind of weird thing that happens on tiktok or something can bring something that is irrelevant to a whole new generation exactly even the is it a geico commercial with uh 95 south whoop, there it is I well think they remember they, they did the thing remember they did the thing with salt and pepper uh they did a, a, a commercial with them like a couple years ago right. so they're, they're doing this again with another uh hip-hop of that era of the of the 90s kind of hip-hop artists because you know look at how old all those people that were jamming to that when they were teens they are very much grown-ups and let and me so- tell you i'm sorry I, i'm just excited about this because i'm putting together the pieces so look what's also happening with verses on instagram the fact that the pandemic came and forced everybody to really use social media to connect with audiences and to get their messages across to spread music so we have a whole bunch of people that are from the eras of the 80s and the 90s that are putting out music that are DJing and doing things and now new generations are getting to hear them so verses is a, you know just an example of that i'm thinking about so the latest verses what just happened this it was uh, SWV and Escape this was just last night and so we're talking about their groups from the 90s, right? And they're experiencing this resurgence because of Versus being so popular. So, you know, this show is kind of hitting all of these buttons of what's happening with music, what's ha- what's ha- it's just hitting it oh, all. Oh, no, there, there is some woman that I started following on Instagram who has a huge following. I can't remember what her name is, but she does all these videos about 90s music, where uh 90s rap and r&b music where she's she'll do these like little short videos where she'll be like doing some kind of comment where it'll have like a headline like when uh when the uh when the store music is popping and she'll have like this blue this green screen background where she'll be like in line at like uh at at, like uh costco and all of a sudden like uh, love will be right here by uh swv beyond and she'll start jamming in the line oh oh, let me tell you, TikTok is like that too, because I think I follow her on TikTok too, the person you're talking about. There's another one on TikTok who is like when you just got finished watching uh Prince's Purple Rain video, and she's like, she is uh Gen Z. She's not even a millennial, she's Gen Z. So she didn't grow up with this music at all. But she goes back and finds these music videos and she recreates them with like 
cheesy, like over the top. They like the shoulder pads will be huge. Oh my she'll, god! She'll use like a brush for a mustache. I mean, it is hilarious. <laughs> and then she'll lip sync, but it's like that's the thing. It's bringing this music full circle. See, I'm sorry for you if you didn't grow up in the 80s and 90s. I really well. The have. funny thing is, <laughs> uh, one thing that I don't understand is I even like little little uh, stinker in the in on the show when he when some one of one of his uh one of his uh people that works with him in the in the sound booth is is they're trying to find something to sample and so they say oh you know there's this band called girls five ever they were a, they were a thing for a minute back in like 2000 and so little he goes i was a baby back then so i don't i don't know them and just like you know like wait a minute when i was growing up i knew about music that happened before me because you always i thought you always knew the parent the music that your parents listened to and sometimes the p- music that your grandparents listened to because right. you'd be in their homes and you'd be in the car with them and they'd be playing music and so there are things that I don't listen to that I was forced to listen to as a child, but I guess a lot of kids today were never forced to listen to anything because I guess they were always had their headphones on or something, or they had they were had their iPad and they were watching uh, videos or they're watching cartoons or something. But I remember listening to all kinds of music. If you ask me, like Kevin, why do you know all the words to every song on the Gambler album by um, what the hell is his name? Oh, Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. It's because uh, when I was a kid, we were going to um, uh, SeaWorld and um, my friend's uh, father was obsessed with country music and played that one album all the way there and all the way back. And so by the, by the time I got dropped off at my house, knew every word. Hmm. You gotta know when, when to hold them. them. No, no when to fold them. them. <laughs> no, no when to walk away. away. No, no when to run. run. <laughs> you never count your money. Yeah. While you're sitting at the table, there'll, there'll be, be time, time enough, enough for counting. When the, when the day is done. done. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, oh. you know about things before you and other genres because of the people that you're around in the world. Correct. So the idea that because oh I was born in uh in 2000, I should know about anything that happened before that year is ridiculous to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. It it doesn't make any sense. But you know, this hopefully what I'm liking now is that there is this whole flashback culture because of social media. So hopefully this will get people to appreciate what came before them oh my god and you got to send me a link to that uh to that person who's doing those music video parodies i need that in man, my life right after we do this i'm <laughs> sending you the tiktok link man <laughs> i need that in my life oh one other thing that to me is a super trope of like that time and with these with these girl groups and boy uh, boy bands is we find out that summer uh, the member of the group, her actual real name is Ashley, but because there was another Ashley in the band, they changed her name to Summer. I just like, because I don't know if you remember back in the day, there was always this thing where there's like, like even with the Spice Girls, there's two Melanies. There's like Melanie B and Melanie C. And just like, of all the people, I don't understand how you can't put together a group of five people that don't have the same name. You can't find five women or some of these boy bands were the same way. You couldn't like, they'd have two Chris's and stuff. Just like, you can't Chris S and Chris R and stuff. Like, 
Like, you can't find two people, five people that all have different names. Well, but here's the thing. If you go to diff- every age, every era has popular names. So at the time they were born, it could have been. There was 100 million Melanie. Yes. Those were the popular, especially, you know, the, the Spice Girls were in the UK. So they have different popular names than we do here in the US. So I'm sure that Melanie was probably a very popular. If you look, do the research and look it up and the because if they, that was the early 2000s they were born like probably in the 70s then so they if they were born in the 70s that was probably a really popular name no, back I, then. I i get it but I, I do like with their manager their manager's like no we're not having to ashley c and ashley we're cha- your name you're summer now and so i feel like yeah cha- somebody's name has to change you're gonna use your middle name or something because yeah we're not gonna have ashley b and ashley t and mm-mm, no no, I, exa- exactly. Although this did well for those those groups who they I'm going by mine because none of them are together now, really, right? And they're <laughs> they're they're doing stuff under their own thing. Can you imagine if you went from being okay summer and now like, well, I want to go back to my original name. So it, it's doing well for them. Oh yeah, okay. So anyway, but another thing that's really fun is Ashley Bijou Phillips, not Bijou. Uh, What's her name? Busy. Busy Bijou <laughs> you Phillips. That's another... Bijou Phillips. <laughs> well, there's an artist, music artist from the, that period who actually named Bijou Phillips. Bijou Phillips, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> who had one hit, but anyway, uh, and I loved that hit. But anyway, I can't remember what it was, but I did I did love that song at the time. But anyway, um, her husband lives in another state. He lives in Florida, and he commutes and, and sees her. And, and every month that has 31 days, he shows up on that 31st day. <laughs> so... <laughs> And to convince her friends that her marriage is intact and fine, she pays him to do a cameo, yes. and 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 tries to make it look like it's a like like he's act, like they're actually talking of uh, FaceTime. It was this show has so many layers of just stuff that's so funny. Another thing that was so funny was their agent calls them even though they don't he doesn't work for them anymore. He's trying he got them a gig because there actually is interest in them even though he told them initially there wasn't. And he goes uh, the Eric. Of the Eric Trump Casino University yes. <laughs> needs someone to sing in between MMA fights uh, while they mop up the blood. And he goes, also, it's it's uh, it's B uh, it's B Y O M. Bring your own mop. So yes. <laughs> they yes. actually have to mop up the blood after singing. I guess. And oh, if that isn't bad enough, he goes, it pays four thousand dollars, of course, minus my 80% commission. Yes, I'm like, and I was waiting for them to say, hell no, nobody was opposed to the 80% commission. (laughs) Nobody. 20% divided by four. Okay, before I ask you to make your final decision, I gotta I gotta share a little bit of the lyrics to give you an idea of just the depths of the genius that is girls five ever. So uh, in the song Dream Girlfriend had amazing lyrics like low rise jeans with one zipper, eyebrows thin, bronzer thicker, well tail peaking, ready for the weekend. I was just like, oh my God. And everybody, let me tell you, there are been, been there are a bunch of women now who are very sorry they let anybody wax their eyebrows back then because they made them like razor thin and they can't grow back now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, with one. Well, I just love the eyebrows thin, bronze thicker. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. 
whole bunch of people getting microbladed to make up for that and stop using as much bronzer. Lord. Okay, and I gotta give us a little bit of the chorus lyrics. Okay, dream, uh, uh we're your dream girlfriends because our dads are because our, our, our dads are already dead. Yeah, so you'll, you'll <laughs> never have to meet them and get asked why you left school. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Terrible. So Terrible. So terrible and then they share different things about what makes it would make a man's dream girlfriend things like you know uh tell tell me again why by why tarantino is a genius um i'll watch you play darts all night <laughs> and another another one i like was the um um i watch i, I watch stand up with you but not the ladies and so just it it's pitch perfect it, it is really is pitch perfect all right so because we have a lot of news to get to we do Tachi. When it comes to peacocks, girls five ever. Are you gonna keep? Are you gonna keep watching, or are you going to change the channel? I will say this: I was kind of pleasantly surprised. This was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was in for a an hour of hell because we watched two episodes. So I thought I was not going to enjoy this, but you know, it was actually quite enjoyable. Now, as far as remembering that this is on Peacock to go and watch it and making it appointment television, I don't know about that, but it, it was fun. I did appreciate the humor. I, you know, I what what it needs to do. If it gets like there just needs to be a little more solidification of some things. And I think this could be really, really good. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn. I probably would watch at least another episode to see what it's doing, but I don't know if I would be a point. This would be appointment television for me, but it was fun. I will say that. So I'll ask you the same when it comes to Peacock's girls five ever, are you going to keep watching or change the channel? Well, first, I got to say, what fills me with rage is the fact that shows like Keenan and Mr. Mayor mm. and The Rock mm. are on NBC, whereas Girls 5 ever um, are, <laughs> <laughs> are relegated to Peacock because we reviewed all three of those sorry excuse for shows. Girls 5 ever is so much so funnier. much better so much funnier so, so much, much funnier. better L i laughed out loud which is very i there were so many moments where i we didn't even cover all the like the invisible piano yeah there's so many <laughs> things that we didn't even talk have yes. time to talk about yes that were hysterical in these shows uh and the two episodes we saw there's only eight episodes in the season and so this show needs to come to NBC during the summer. They need to re-air it on NBC proper. I agree. This show is hysterical. You will laugh out loud if you were around or have any memories, unlike Lil Stinker, of the uh, uh, the early the double O's. This show is for you. It is hysterical. The music parodies, the songs they do. This reminds me of, there was a thing they used to do on SNL with um, Maya Rudolph where they did a parody of... Um, of uh of destiny's child and there was a group girl group called gemini's twin yes, yes. and it, it is this is gemini's twin made into a tv show it is so hysterical 
They need they this needs to be on NBC and be seen by a wider audience. If you have uh, you can download Peacock and you can watch Peacock for free if you want to watch it with commercials. There's certain things. There's different tiers to Peacock. And I believe that this show, uh, Girls 5 Ever, is available on the free tier of Peacock with commercials. And it is definitely worth checking out. If you don't laugh in the first episode, let alone the second episode, then yeah. this show isn't for you. And you need to get to a doctor because something's wrong with you. It, this it is really hysterical. Is it is hilarious. I, again, like I said, pleasantly surprised because we experienced those other three programs that were lackluster so i was just expecting a fourth lackluster one this was really good you hit this one on the head nbc universal this was good oh absolutely and again one last time low-rise jeans with one, with one zipper <laughs> eyebrows thin bronzer thicker whale tail peeking ready for the weekend <laughs> i just i can't i need absolutely terrible but hilarious. oh my god all right so let's get to the news tachi what the heck is going on in the world of entertainment this week well entertainment and media in general there is so much happening all right so did you happen to catch any of the the fame now infamous episode of snl saturday night live hosted by none other than elon musk I watched it and talk about a contrast. I did not laugh once in the hour and a half of that show versus two half hour episodes of Girls Five Eva, where I was literally in pain from laughing so long, loud and long that it was like it was laugh free. You could literally play that episode at a funeral and it would not be disrespectful because no one would even snicker. Huh. Well, so this is interesting for me. I not that it was hilarious because I've kind of tapered off watching SNL, to be honest, because I just there find so many things to be unfunny. So I'm like, I don't even bother <laughs> really with, with SNL unless I know there's going to be a fantastic host. And that then I'm like, OK, I got to see that or I'll catch it, you know, the next day like I did with this. So the interesting thing here is that I felt I felt he did okay for somebody who was not a comedian, for somebody who was not an actor, for somebody who is really honestly socially awkward. I, I think he did okay. When okay, I, wait, no, let, let me get one thing straight. I'm not saying that he did a the just the 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 skits that were written for him were not funny. Um, as far as being a person who is not a non-performer, he got he met his marks he didn't break during um when he was reading his lines this was live for the most part there were some filmed parts so i feel like he did as well as anybody would expect someone like him to do so i'm not saying he did he did a horrible job he didn't write these sketches the sketches to me just weren't funny um they had the courtroom type thing where he was he was playing wario um uh i guess he was accused of killing mario or or copying mario or something i don't even understand what the hell that skit was the sketch was about or what it mm -hmm. meant or whatever was stupid and then it, at the end it takes a turn where it's about bill de blasio for some reason i didn't under i didn't get the connection with wario and then tying it into the mario universe into bill de blasio wanting Ital italian americans looking bad or something that i thought that was crazy um 
Let's see. There was a filmed part. The funniest part of the show, I'd say, was the film part where it was showing what it's like to go to your first party after the pandemic. Yes. yes that yes. was the funniest part of the yes. show where they're talking about the kind of conversations you have to keep having with people like where you don't remember them. Like, do I know, where do I know you from kind of thing? And then everybody asking each other the same question. Everybody always asks like, Oh, you got vaccinated. Which one did you get? And then you tell, Oh, I got Moderna. Oh, that's one of the good. Oh, I got Pfizer. All right. That's it. That's, that was a, mo- that, and that wasn't even funny other than just like, yes, we're already having those conversations. Right. It was just kind of like, it wasn't like you were laughing, but it was like, that's recognizable. We're all kind of going through the weirdness of life going sort of back to normal kind of thing. So it, it, it recognized that. Um, but as far as in the skits, and so I'm not knocking Elon Musk's acting ability or whatever. He's done as well as like when they have those sports stars come on and, and host. It's the same kind of thing that they the, that they do right. is what he did. Right. This is about the, uh, my issue is with the writing on the show is just not there right now. Even though no. I was in a room full of uh, comedians um on clubhouse and there were several people were saying how funny snl is now i'm like i don't know which are you watching some other one that they show only to stand-up comedians because the one i'm seeing is not funny well i i don't know there must be so i am not a stand-up comedian i think i'm a funny person but if i had to make my living off of stand-up well i just would not uh, be able to so maybe there is something that they get out of it that we're not seeing i don't know yeah, okay. They must have some kind of fifth comedy sense or the sixth comedy sense because it is not, yeah, not funny. But also, um, let's talk about the fact that it did do well. It did what it did, did what NBC wanted it to do. It was right. one of the highest rated episodes of the season. In fact, it was the third highest rated show. He he was only beaten out by two, speaking of stand-up comedians, by Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, those two episodes had higher ratings, but he beat everybody else this season uh, in the ratings. So I'm sure NBC is very, very happy. Well, it's, you know, the thing is, it's not, it's because he's he's controversial, he's quirky, he's a billionaire, he's got the most popular car company out there now, uh, he's been the progenitor of the huge electric car movement that's happening. So I think it's this curiosity of wanting to see Elon Musk in a different light. Oh, he's hosting SNL. I think that's what it was as opposed to, oh, such and such is hosting SNL. You know what I'm saying? It's it's well, the, there was so see. much. Yeah, there was so much press because of the controversy. Some people didn't want him to be on the show, myself being one of them, because I feel like this is going to be a it was a repeat of what happened with Donald Trump, that Donald Trump had political aspirations and going on SNL was part of humanizing him. Uh, A lot of people feel that Elon Musk is doing the same thing. He's going on something like SNL to um, get the world more used to him and the idea of him. And uh, him being in our faces all the time, so he can run for president. And he cannot me, though. Don't don't you have to be? Uh, is he a naturalized citizen? Um, I thought that he actually was. I I thought I read some article that said that he was going to be that he could theoretically run for president. Huh. Okay, I could be wrong, but I know he's South African. So I'm like, is that even possible? Okay, well, if he can't run for president, then I'm all I'm fine with him uh, hosting a horrible episode of SNL. If that (laughs) isn't on the table, then yeah, I don't care. 
Now he can, he, run he can run for, for governor. Other things. Yeah, he yes. can run for governor or some other office, but he can't. Or he can run for senator, but he can't. If he can't be president, then I'm cool with. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I don't. I need to check that article out again and figure out why they were claiming that he could. But anyway, um, which is the reason why I guess we didn't. We never had a president, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is because we had a right, governor of California, but right. he wasn't able to run for president. Thank goodness. No, he cannot. You have to be. I believe it's a natural born citizen in order to run for president. Uh, but you can run for whatever the hell you like if you were born somewhere else. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So th this is what the one thing. During the monologue, he claimed that this was the first time that or he is the first person with Asperger's syndrome to host SNL. And for those of you that are not familiar, Asperger's syndrome is actually a colloquial term that's used to describe high functioning people on the autism spectrum. But turns out that's not really true. I don't know that he knew if that was true because actually Dan Aykroyd has Asperger's. And well, what's stupid it. about this, this was not something off the cuff. This was this was his written monologue. So they could easily have checked before he went out there and said that. So I don't know if I should blame him for this lie or I, I don't the writers him. of the uh, or the writers uh for this stupid lie that they could not somebody didn't have access to Google. Uh, and couldn't look it up before they had him go on TV and say this because he has a history of saying things that aren't true. So absolutely, I, but with this one, I don't think he intended to defraud. I think he just did not know that. Well, Dana you think that his people, somebody on his team of many people, all, all of his personal assistants, somebody should have looked up the monologue because the monologue, even though it is written by somebody else, it feels like it's coming from the host. So you think before he says any kind of factual thing about the history of the show that um, they would check it out. If the mm. team of the writing team wouldn't do it, you think his own team before they had him go out there and say it would uh, check out to make sure that he, what he was saying was actually true. And you would also think that someone would check when a first lady is using another first lady speech, but that didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. They're like, okay. people, people are dropping balls all over people the place. People don't check. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that is, um, that is really interesting. That whole thing. But um, yeah, I don't think he intended to defraud. Somebody just did not do their due diligence. And now it's all, uh, I mean, they, it, the ink, the, they didn't even say good night, everyone good good and well from the uh <laughs> from snl and they were already writing no that's not true this uh, you know already came out uh, yeah before the show was over there before the show were already was calling over them out on social media that that's not true so it yeah it was a huge uh ball drop i i feel and uh again but the, the important thing for nbc is people watched it so they don't care how bad the episode was as long as people uh tuned into it and it did well for them so it was a stunt and uh, the stunt went well for them. <laughs> a stunt it was all right. It went well. But, you know, can you maintain that? Because now he's gone. Now you have to find, and, you know, they already have lined up who the, the next hosts are uh, for. I don't know. This this was episode uh, 18 of season 40. Is this season 45? It's, it's up there. It's but, up um, there. But anyway, it's uh yeah. So I, I the only thing they could do to top this, in my opinion, would be is if they could get either Barack or Michelle to host, or they could get uh the uh, the guy who owns Amazon to host. Uh Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Jeff Jeff Bezos or the Pope. 
that yeah that'd be it okay now the pope is out pope francis is probably not going to come but <laughs> but you know it will be interesting to see how they broaden the scope because you know what they've done, been doing in the past is musicians is actors uh you know every once in a while they'll have uh p of course politicians but it will be interesting to see uh how they broaden the scope to include but, you know, tech people to include well-known, notable figures that are not in entertainment or sports or whatever. Yeah, who's so, going to be like the first YouTuber, the first influencer that's going to host yes, SNL? That's that'll what be, I want to see. That will be an interesting uh, thing when we when we get to that point and we see that happen. And it's going to have to be a YouTuber or a TikTok or an influencer that can hold their own. Because maybe you can do what you do on YouTube or TikTok, but can you hold your own during an hour and a half of SNL? That, yeah, that's but, you what know, we want to know. If, if Elon Musk can host it. I feel like anybody, you know, they can put anybody. And you, have you know to read what? Off of, if you can read, if you can see a cue card and you can read, you can be honest. You can host SNL. Touche, touche. I will say this. I think it was cute that they all brought on, you know, the beginning. Miley Cyrus was the musical host. So, or the musical guest, I should say. And they brought, they all had their mothers there. So I thought that was cute for Mother's Day. They do that every year. They trot out their moms and their uh, the moms always look like a deer in headlights looking at the cameras every, I don't know what the point of that is. And I guess the, the point, the, the it, conveniently, they're not on during Father's Day. So they, there's no fathers never get trotted out on the show. Because I, you know why that is. <laughs> They're like fathers, whatever, but mothers dare you mess with Mother's Day. So <laughs> fantastic. Wow. All right. So we've got you ready to move on to the next? Yes, I am. Okay. So let's kind of talk about this whole uh, Golden Globes thing uh, going on. You want to lead us in and then I'll pick it up or what? No, you lead us in. I'll lead you in. Okay. So the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is actually uh, pledging to reform itself, right? Um, they have had some issues uh, in the past few days. So um, a top exec on May 6th, after around 75 of uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's 86 members voted for an inclusion and overhaul proposal uh, to the group's board. Uh, they put this forward at the beginning of the week. They've actually been scrambling since it was revealed before February 28th semi-virtual Golden Globes that the freewheeling group had no black members. Zero, zero, nada, nothing, zilch, zip, none. <laughs> so you're saying none? That, that 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 yeah basically no black none no black member i yeah, just you, you, yeah that's not it's the foreign press association but apparently that is not foreign anywhere in africa i guess other than probably south africa because you think that they would have like some zimbabwe chapter where they have one member from someplace you know uh from some i i, I am stunned and um the good well, i think what's caused this is people like scarlett johansson uh have come out against uh, the uh, the HFPA and saying that, uh, that that Hollywood should pull back. And let's see, Netflix has said that they're pulling back from the organization as well as Amazon uh, Prime Video is pulling back. So I feel like they are scrambling to stay in the game and make some changes. And the, the changes that they've, they've offered up so far, people are calling window dressing. 
That, I mean, that's all it ever is until you hold their necks to the fire. That that all it ever is is just something to appease, throw out a few carrots. Okay, I love the fact that you're holding their necks to the fire, not their feet to the fire, but their necks. You don't next play around. to the fire. Look, you know I get these things wrong, so neck sounds better. Next to the fire. Yo, that's, so, that's scarier than feet to the fire. The neck, it, it you're is. next to the fire. But see, because when it's a neck, you have something really to lose. So there you go. <laughs> okay, so so here's the uh, go. Going back a little bit, and to your point, Kevin, you're absolutely right. There is a whole continent, the largest continent on Earth, full of black people, and it's Hollywood Foreign Press Association, and Nigeria has the largest, um, outside of India, has the largest film industry, okay? It's India, uh, Nigeria, then Hollywood in terms of distribution. And nobody, you couldn't manage to find a, a single person in Nigeria. Okay. So uh, they, they've they had a bunch of stumbles and a bunch of critiques, as you've mentioned. They also saw racially insensitive remarks from a former president and newly minted diversity and inclusion advisors, Dr. Sean Harper, and Fixer Supreme, who was the inspiration for Scandal, Judy Smith, both resigned in frustration last month. Now, when you have the Fixer, Who's supposed to fix the result? You've got a huge problem. Well, they had a history of being the Golden Globes had a history of being a joke that could that could you could easily get an uh, a nomination or even an award bought. Uh, they were a joke for for decades, and they just were barely getting some kind of uh, thought of or at least a a window dressing of legitimacy and now they're being brought down by uh, racism and and lack of inclusion. Of even with women, even with white women, there are scarce, scarce few uh, white women that are even members of the Foreign Press Association. So you know that <laughs> they're not even including them. You know it's the curtains for us. So uh, Sarandos, Ted Sarandos, who is uh, from Netflix, the CEO of Netflix, said that uh, today they took a vote. Today's vote is an important first step. However, we don't believe these these proposed new policies, particularly around the size and speed of membership growth, will tackle the HFPA's systemic diversity and inclusion challenges or the lack of clear standards for how your members should operate. So we're stopping any activities with your organization until more meaningful changes are made. We know that you have many well-intentioned members who want real change and that all of us have more work to do to create an equitable and inclusive industry. But Netflix, he's saying as for me and mine, but Netflix and many of the other talent and creators we work with cannot ignore the HFPA's collective failure to address these crucial issues with urgency and rigor. Well, Tachi, it sounds like what they were saying is Netflix is the blank of the what, Tachi? Um, you're going to have to help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing you, you do on Mediascope all the time. A blank of the week, week, Oh. Week. Okay, you have to have. Okay, let me let me say a problem. Then, in the words of comedian Huggy Lowdown, HFPA, you are the Bama of the week. Wee, 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 wee. Wee. <laughs> 
I thought when you were reading that statement from the uh, the the head of Netflix, I'm like, it sounded like I did, like it needed to end with you. The Bama of the week. The Bama. The Bama of the week. You're right. You're right. I dropped the ball on that one, but you are absolutely a Bama of the week, HFPA. Uh, you're right. They have had problems forever, but I think people just kind of you know slide it under the radar. I'm like, okay, they just kind of ignore it, but you can't ignore it in 2021, in this day and age, with calling out people, people speaking truth to power and telling it how it is. So you're just brushing it under the rug is no longer going to be acceptable. So I'm uh, I'm interested. And as you said, as you mentioned, um, Scarlett Johansson is one of the individuals who is uh, speak, who has spoke out, spoken, I should say, out against this as well. She says this, as an actor promoting a film, one is expected to participate in award season by attending press conferences as well as award shows. In the past, this has often meant facing sexist questions and remarks by certain HFPA members that bordered on sexual harass harassment. It is the exact reason why I, for many years, refuse to participate in their conferences. So, you know, how terrible is this when you have an organization that really defines press for Hollywood, having members of Hollywood uncomfortable even going? No, I've heard that about for years that there are not just Scarlett Johansson, other women have had issues with the questions and it's been very sexist and mm -hmm. uh, they felt really uneasy. The atmosphere was very, very... Uh, just sleazy for lack of a better term and uh that's a huge part of getting that whole oscar buzz people want to win uh you want to win a golden globe because that's the next uh that's the next step in the path of uh getting the yourself, getting getting to the oscars and so mm -hmm. but what but when some actresses are are not are not willing to play the game and sit there and have these questions about their uh how their boobs looked in a particular costume or whatever uh or walk out of interviews or not even sit down for an interview with them then this that plus the fact that the the lack of of diversity when it comes to uh women uh women in in the entertainment field as far as writers and people of color being excluded then it's time for their their little boys club to that that the the doors need to be knocked down kicked in and get some different people in there that look different and are from different parts of the globe and truly be a foreign press that that all of the all of the countries on the world um besides the US as opposed to just some parts of Europe I agree. I agree. I let me ask you this: Do you think that's possible? I think it's they're going to have to because to get heat like this from the big players now, like uh, uh, Netflix, and uh, and being called out by a big actress like Scarlett Johansson and Amazon Prime, those are two uh, outlets that have a lot of things that would be under that banner. And if they're if if they're the first dominoes to go down, other other platforms are going to be shamed into backing away from them too. So they're going to have to make some substantial changes and make them fast, just like the Oscars had to make some changes. They're going to have to make some changes quickly. Shame on you. Yeah, they better, they better call that chick from Scandal back and then and have her be the head of everything and making decisions. And she can clean this. If anybody can clean this mess up, it's her. But that tells you how messy this is. If she now was she, like, oh, if she stepped no. away from if, them, yeah. It's, if she it's stepped not good. away, it it it's a wash. Maybe dismantle this and come up with something else because clearly you all cannot be saved. Yeah, defund the globes.
<laughs> Ooh, <hashtag. laughs> so what's our next story Taji? so our next story let's talk a little bit about roku we talk about devices and uh roku at google actually so they actually called google an unchecked monopolist in quotes for adding a workaround feature to youtube amid a tv carriage battle so this has been brewing for quite some time so here's the thing Roku has hit back at Google over actions by its YouTube TV unit in the company's distribution fight. So if you don't know, YouTube TV, not YouTube the app, but YouTube TV was removed from Roku. Roku removed it from their, their player, from their application or their interface, let's say that. So earlier today, YouTube TV said, not today, but it was actually uh, earlier this week. They said that they were going to add a go to YouTube function within the main YouTube app as a workaround for YouTube TV bundle subscribers that are ca caught up in this tussle. So basically what's happening is Roku removed it, right? So Roku removed it and then YouTube said, okay, well, we'll just add it to the YouTube app. So if you're a subscriber, you can still get to it by going. So exactly. they've circumvented that, it. That is such a genius move in the middle of negotiations because normally what makes these things makes a company break is the fact that the, the subscribers aren't happy, they can't get to something and so they finally break. But YouTube's all like, oh, okay, if you can if we can't get uh, people who have uh, Roku can't use Roku to get to YouTube content, then we'll have you on YouTube get to your Roku content, which is amazing. And I can see why Roku is scared because if this doesn't get settled, then people might like, wait a minute, I don't even need Roku. I can just go directly and get everything from YouTube. Well, but this is only if they are subscribers to YouTube TV. This is only really going to uh, to affect you if you because they they haven't talked about removing the app completely, as far as I know. It's really only YouTube TV. So if YouTube then says, okay, well we're going to take it down or not be okay, then that's one thing. But that ha it hasn't come to that point yet. So you could still watch YouTube. It's just YouTube TV. And I don't know how many subscribers to YouTube TV they have. I don't I don't know that it's that significant. But well, it's, would... it's significant enough that they're upset about the fact that they're doing this. So uh, clearly, I, I, from what I read or understood, maybe I misunderstood it, that there is that what they did was they stopped they stopped a certain number of people from being able to do this. There were people that are grandfathered that still have access. And then there's new people who don't have access. And so what what uh, YouTube has done has basically, I thought, made it easier for people to connect all their content through YouTube and not have to go through Roku at all. And then I also read something about the fact that they're trying to come up with some kind of free device for you to do it through a device, basically like those Amazon sticks, where you could also circumvent uh, Roku as well, because Roku is right now still the biggest gatekeeper when it comes to all these streaming services. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. if they, if they by piss, pissing off someone like uh, YouTube and therefore Google, they have enough money that they can literally, they poke the giant. That's why they call them monopolists. Because but, what they're doing now by poking them is they can create their own devices and give them away for practically nothing or absolutely nothing and circumvent Roku altogether.
But Roku is calling Google an unchecked monopolist. No, that's what I'm the... saying. That's that's what I meant. If I didn't, if I said it backwards, I oh, yeah. okay. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. Saying that's why Roku is saying that Google is a monopoly because Google basically can circumvent. But they already them. have that. There is Google Google Chromecast. So that oh, already but, exists. But apparently they're talking about some other device they're creating if in uh, one of the articles I read that they're that they're going to be giving away potentially that could make them uh, a c- compete directly with Roku. You have to buy a Roku, you won't have to buy this, which is even more of a thing to have a competitor that's charging nothing. No, that's true. But then what is the future of Google Chromecast if you do that? Why do you need two devices? I'm not sure what the difference is and why, why they're, but um, the article I read said that they're creating something new, a standalone device that you could use uh, instead of Roku uh, to circumvent them and have that be your gateway to streaming services. Yeah, that, which is stupid because my, th- my thing is you already have Google Chromecast, which is like Amazon Firestick, which is like Roku, where you could get all these apps. Give that away. You've already got that. Why you, why are you, I don't get it, but okay, okay, do you uh, Google? So this in a statement, Roku said, as I said, uh, that Google's actions are the clear conduct of an unchecked monopolist bent on crushing fair competition and harming consumer choice. The new feature, quote, highlights the kind of predatory business practices used by Google that Congress, attorneys general, and regulatory bodies around the world are investigating. Roku has not asked for one additional dollar in financial value from YouTube TV. We have simply asked Google to stop their anti-competitive behavior of manipulating user search results to their unique financial benefit and to stop demanding access to sensitive data that no other partner on our platform receives today. In response, Google has continued its practice of blatantly leveraging its YouTube monopoly to force an independent company into an agreement that is both bad for consumers and bad for fair competition. I don't know. For some reason, I'm getting the total feels of like Blockbuster versus Netflix. I think that this is they may have mishandled this whole fight with YouTube and they could end up having YouTube destroy Roku altogether well you know i think yeah that's google going up against roku and google is much bigger but i think google has been accused of predatory practices for a long time so i i'm not surprised uh with this uh asking for according to this article asking for data that others on the platform do not ask for like requiring uh data from users and data is the new black data is currency right data is so valuable so i i again i'm not saying anybody is necessarily innocent in this fight but if it's going as it's saying i can see why roku is upset and we told you all right get off the platform but now you're still on the platform you just did a backhanded way of including youtube tv in there still so it's like okay we told you no and you still are doing this so I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, time will tell. But anyway, I'm I'm betting on Google over Roku. But anyway. Well, next. You're right. You're right. They're a bigger company. They have more resources. We'll see. Let's talk Disneyland. Imagineer Jim Scholl is responding to the controversy over updating Disneyland's Snow White ride. So he's taken to Twitter to offer his thoughts on this controversy. 
And uh, in case uh, you don't know about the uh, controversy, there are uh, cultural changes, shall we say, that are coming to this in, in the uh, strain of uh, Me Too. Yeah, Me Too, the Me Too movement. Thank you. Um, so lots of cultural changes. So, so there was ba basically the cut to the chase. It, there was a makeover of the ride during the time that Disneyland was closed due mm -hmm. to COVID. It just reopened. And so somebody, uh, in, I, I think somewhere in South San Francisco, potentially, I'm not sure, wrote an article that caused a big firestorm on Fox news because this article questioned the fact that in a scene in the ride, at the end of the ride, you see Prince Charming kissing an unconscious Snow White. And, of course, that, that true love's kiss wakes her up. And so the questioning the idea, like, wait a minute, this uh, she can't consent to that kiss because she's unconscious. And so what message does that send, especially to young boys? And so the reason why, that to me, this is, A, such an incredibly stupid controversy not only even people that are so-called woke um mm -hmm. i think of myself as a person who's woke or trying to be but again if there's any question you tell little boys you know what if you are a prince and a wicked witch has tricked some girl into eating an apple that has rendered her unconscious forever and she's in a glass case that her dwarf friends put her in then it's okay for you to kiss her in the hopes that it'll bring her back. No other cases. That's the only time that this is okay. If anybody else is asleep or unconscious, you don't get to kiss them. People need to be awake to say yes to getting kissed. Again, unless you're a prince and in a fairy tale. See, but that that's giving... So are you saying that... If this is okay as long as you have those parameters. Yes, the, the parameters are very. It's very limited, Tachi. There has to be a wicked witch involved. There has to be some kind of. You have to be tricked into eating some kind of fruit that makes you unconscious, and you have to be royalty. And <laughs> and if you and they have to be put in a glass coffin by their dwarf friends. <laughs> but see, all of that is so fantastical, and many kids can't really tell the differences between all of these things. So that, you know. You know what the answer is then no don't kiss anybody who is asleep right. well no exactly <laughs> it's that easy. exactly it's that easy and again this harkens back to a time where it's okay for men to do whatever the hell they liked uh without consent of women so my thing is like what if it was the touch of a prince and you, you know what i'm saying and you just it, it was like although there's a consent thing there as well but, you know, why would, when it's something that is so and a kiss, you can be innocent, but a kiss can also be very sexualized because well, if, you, if, you, if you give any of these fairy tales any thought, first of all, Snow White didn't even really know the prince. It wasn't like they had like a great history. But basically, the true love's kiss. How what how, what was that true love based on that the prince had for her that was enough to wake her up? Just like, no, she was a she was a hot piece of. Anyway, and um, mm -hmm. that was it. And so uh, the idea that the prince was just like instantly in love with her, and then literally after he kisses her, and she's all like, "Hells yeah!" She wakes up, and then they're together forever. And just like based on what exactly they did, like, did they have any conversations in that movie? Uh, no. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. So the whole thing is ridiculous, and to basically try to read modern day. Now, if you want to have a discussion with your kids about it. 
more the merrier. Go for it. But enjoying this kind of thing on the level of a, a little kid, a little girl that wants to dress like a princess and like a Disney princess or whatever, fine. But the idea that the, the takeaway is going to be that little boys are going to think it's okay to kiss people against their will because they've seen this ride or this movie uh, from the from the 30s or whatever is ridiculous. And if that well, is an issue, then you can easily clear it up by these are the parameters under which this is okay. No other parameters. Well, but but you know what? I think the thing is, it's again harkening back to a time when the, that type of thing was okay, and women did not have say. Uh, people, pe- the many people did not have say. Men, white men, had say, and that they were the only ones with agency. So there's a lot of explaining and picking apart, and then it's you know uh, oxymoronic that in one take you're saying yes, this is okay, but not in other scenarios. Well, why is this not okay in other scenarios, but in this scenario it's okay? To me that. That leads to too much over explanation of things. It it should not be happening. So I I get this is class, but it's the same. It's the same thing with an argument of why there should not be a black Ariel. There's the same thing with with any of this. All the things that were status quo that are now starting to be challenged. Now people have a problem with the challenge to it because oh, it's just. But there's a whole bunch of oh, that's just that lead to this deplorable culture we have. So we don't know when you're a child, you know, you see these things that you can explain, but we don't know what the antecedent is for all the deplorable behavior we see exhibited in some men. It starts from there. And even though it seems innocent, it really may not be. Now, I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm saying I am saying that this could be part of the issue and we do have to investigate it as a culture. Yeah, well, okay. My my thing is, if this is even an issue, as in little boys like thinking because of seeing this literally two second vignette in this ride or the scene in the movie that's like five seconds long, then you can have a discussion and and say, this is a fairy tale. This is pretend. They really aren't witches and they really don't have apples. It can I'll give you poison apples. And if you die, uh, no matter how hot somebody is or how rich they are, them kissing you is not bringing you back to life. And so there's all kinds of questionable things in fairy tales and in these Disney films to talk about. So if you want to have the, have the kid watch it and then have a discussion after, again, I don't know how much they can absorb of this when they're that little. How much messaging is getting in? Are they taking it or understanding it to be something real and thinking like, oh, well, if the prince can kiss uh, Snow White while she's unconscious, can I kiss the little girl uh, next to me on the mat during nap time in preschool? Um, Is that okay? And so then you can say, no, it's not okay because you're not a prince. She did not bite a poison apple. She is not unconscious forever. Um, So these are differences. So you've got to teach people like, you know, you know what? It's okay to uh, wear just shorts and then jump in a bunch of water um, when it's a swimming pool. But it's not okay to jump into a fountain unless you're a member of the cast of Friends. There are rules. There's different things that are appropriate. (laughs) They're appropriate for some and not appropriate for others. But, you know, when it comes to that, no, and I get your point, but when it comes to that, it's really kids act out things. And not every parent is going to be responsible and make that distinction of when this is okay and when it's not okay. So you end up with a bunch of children at a daycare and they're like, let's play excuse me, let's play Snow White. Not everybody's parents have had that conversation with them. You understand what I'm saying? So I think that's where the issue comes up. And and I do see it as a legitimate concern. Uh, but I don't know. 
It is, it is up to the parents. Is, Snow White is not getting canceled. And so what it's we not. need to do is we need to explain to kids that some things that are appropriate sometimes aren't appropriate all the time. It's appropriate to have cake and to have ice cream on your birthday. But you don't get to have cake and ice cream every day for every meal. You can't. But for your birthday, certain things you get to do. So it's just it's like that. There's all kinds of things that are appropriate in some instances. It's appropriate to take off all your clothes and to get into water in a bathtub. But it's not okay to get into the uh, swimming pool naked um at you know um at at school it's not that's not appropriate Yuck. so there are certain things that are appropriate some places not appropriate in other other places and under under certain conditions so it's the exact same thing with snow white if you if you can't if your kid can't figure that out and you can't uh, uh help them figure it out you people have much bigger problems than snow white mm. Now, speaking of people having problems with characters and mm-hmm. the, the 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 whiteness level and the snow level, let's talk about what's going on with Superman. All right, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Superman. So, Warner Brothers is lurk looking for a black Superman. In case you didn't know, they have enlisted Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is an author. He's the author of Between the World and Me. Also, he writes for the Atlantic. He is just a phenomenal person a phenomenal writer and by the way a howard university alum so he's a fellow bison and they've enlisted him to write the latest feature on this superhero superman and they're searching for a director and a star as they're really trying to kickstart the next chapter in the marvel cinematics uh cineverse cinever universe but it is a cineverse if you think about it <laughs> yes it's a cineverse yeah so what's interesting is that I've heard that they're claiming that this is going to probably be a one-off, much like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. So this will he would be play, This will not be some alternative like with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right. Where it was Miles Morales. This is going to be Kal El, um, but it's Kal El is going to be a black character in this reimagining or a different imagining of the Superman story as well as it's not going to take place today. It's going to take place somewhere in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, a a kal type character uh, coming to this planet and having superpowers, but just having to have happening to have a uh, black or Brown skin. Right. Which I think is completely okay. Totally. Okay. And uh, insiders actually say that Warners and DC are committed to hiring a black director for this because I guess J.J. Abrams' name had been tossed around as this, but they're not going to go with him. They're committed to hiring a black director to tackle what will be the first cinematic incarnation of of Superman featuring a black actor with a source, according to The Hollywood Reporter, adding that putting Abrams at the helm would be tone deaf, which I 100% agree with. So also, here's a twist to this. The director search is pitting DC against Marvel because Warner's looking to fill the Superman vacancy and Marvel is on the hunt for a Blade Helmer, director for Blade, and they're combing through the same list. of. I mean, that's not a surprise because... There's probably a very there's, short yeah. There's a very limited number of, of 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 especially not only black directors but black directors with names and have that have a history of uh, making money for studios. There's a very right. limited supply. I'm surprised they haven't already tapped the guy who uh, uh, directed um, Black Panther. Black Panther. I'm surprised. Well, 
of uh, him. And also I heard that they were looking at Regina King as well. And um, you think that they'd be looking at um, uh, Queen Sugar creator. What's her name? Ava DuVernay. Okay. So let's look at that with uh, the only person out of those three who has uh, really directed. Although did, uh, did Regina King direct any of the episodes of the show? Uh, what's the name of the show where she plays a superhero? Um, oh, oh, um, wait a minute. Um, the, oh my God, why? I can't remember the name of it. I can't either. Watchmen, Watchmen, the Watchmen. Watchmen, right. I don't yeah, know if she um, directed any episodes. I can't of that. remember if she re- directed any episodes, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if she did. But um, yeah, if she, but she did, I think that could make her a candidate for that. Ryan Coogler is the only one out of them that has directed a superhero film. So, which makes, to me, makes him at the top of the short list or long list, whatever it is. Well, you know what? Everybody has everybody has directed their first superhero film at one time. You don't you weren't born directing superhero films. So everybody yes. had their first time doing it. So even if Ava DuVernay hasn't directed a superhero film before, she's directed other films. So you know what? You can put a cape on somebody and she can say action just like she could with anything else. Right. No, and I, I agree. And I think everybody has their first, but we're also what coming out of a pandemic, not really even coming out of it's still dealing with the pandemic and we're looking to really make uh, uh, the industry is really make looking to make a mark with whatever they br- put out from this point on they have to because they have to recoup money so they're going to be very i, I think they're going to be very super cautious and yeah. cautious about putting people at the helm who have not done it before because they can't afford to have a fly and let, let's just say this because i love ava duvernay she is my idol but she did uh wrinkle in time right which i went to see and it was cute but it was not a box office smash so that's the only the film of magnitude that she's done she's known for her dramas she's known for those types of uh, of things and not necessarily superhero now, i think she would be phenomenal but i don't think that they're going to be willing to take a chance now on somebody who has not done it my no, that's that's absolutely that's a fair that's that's fair yeah yeah absolutely so uh let's uh, let's look a little bit more so they they also talked about barry jenkins barry jenkins who did moonlight right um, that would be a really interesting choice. Very interesting choice. Stephen Capel Jr., who did Creed Two, uh, J.D. Dillard, uh, Regina King, of course, who got raised for One Night in Miami. Shaka King, who was very popular at Warner because he did Judas and the Black Messiah. So this does not mean that a non it's going to be a named director, definitely. It does not mean that a non-action director would not be at the helm. It's just, to me, less likely. Yeah, the, oh, I agree. I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right so, so what's next? Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, <laughs> oh. If you are into K-pop, you're going to like this. MGM Television has teamed up with Korea's SM Entertainment for a U.S. K-pop competition show. Now, K-pop is that wildly st- wild, wildly popular style of uh, Korean pop music. And they're looking to bring that popularity to the U.S. So they're developing a competition series to scout young American men to form a U.S.-based k-pop group so more precisely the new boy group would be called nct hollywood 
Oh, God. And it will be the latest uh, subunit of SM's hit concept group, NCT. And so it's a growing collective of members. Currently, it has 23 members, and they're currently divided into subunits. NCT 127, which is soul-based, NCT Dream, which is a teen-only group. So they've got this huge collective of people, and they're divided into sub groups, sub boy groups, if that makes any sense. So yeah, that's 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 the thing that they actually do with K-pop, where there's like there's this group called Luna uh -huh. that has the exact same kind of thing, where they're divided into all these different groups and they release these different albums, and then they're they're all they're one day all going to come together with like I don't know how many girls. Ultimately, it's going to all be but there's all these different sub things and it's kind of amazing but you kind of lost me i didn't know the the show was going to be just uh, building a boy group because honestly i have no interest in i had no interest in k-pop until i accidentally the youtube algorithm because youtube is taking over the world was yeah. like hey kevin watch this uh a clip from this band called this group called la luna and it's called the egoist and I watched that video once and I was like, my jaw was on the floor. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I watched it again and again. I got other people to watch. I'm like, what's happening in this video? And all of a sudden, I could not get that song out of my mind. And, and then the algorithm is all like, wait a minute. Kevin watched this more than once. Hey, you, if you like these Japanese uh, or these Korean girls uh, dancing in an abandoned warehouse, what about these Korean girls dancing in an abandoned warehouse? I'm like, oh, I like these other Korean girls dancing in an abandoned warehouse. What about these other Korean girls dancing on a mountaintop? I'm like, they seem cool, too. And it turns Turns out that I like K-pop. Well, then you're going to like the fact that they're going. It's going to be open this search to America's most talented emerging artists who are males aged 13 to 25. Contestants will be flown to Seoul for K-pop boot camp training at the SM campus, where in each episode they will compete in dance, vocal, style tests, and will be judged and mentored by SM founder Lee Soon Man, as well as various current. NCT members. What I don't know is are are they it's K-pop, but are these people all going to be Korean? That's what I Oh no, they're know. not there's no way MGM is doing this. The whole point they have enough they have enough talent there. They wouldn't come here to get some Korean Americans and fly. No. The whole point is to basically have some white kids and I guess maybe one or two black kids fly them there. That's the whole point of it. It there's no reason they have enough Korean uh, singing stars there and kids that can break in down they don't need to come to america unless they want to get some white and some brown faces and take k-pop to the next level it reminds me of the guy who the producer who created new edition uh -huh. uh, basically said you know what i could only get so far with these black kids and so then he created new kids on the block and he had white kids and he went into the stratosphere and made even more money and so they're thinking they've absolutely had success in america with these uh korean uh of uh, 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 you know guys and girls in these different bands but if they take that same ex work ethic where they have literally a team it's like it's like a factory they have a team of people writing these songs uh they have a team of it's, it's basically like a movie studio for music where they have teams of, of of people helping these kids learn all this choreography they have teams of people giving them style styles giving them uh basically choosing their hair color choosing the, their whole vibe with their with their giving them swag lessons all this kind of stuff in-house they're like going to a, a pop star university and they work them like slaves and they come out with precision of soldiers 
They are amazing. But again, since it's all a basically K-pop boys, could care friggin' less. It's season two. They better do it with girls. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens with that and how long they can last because American kids, I'm sorry, don't have that same work ethic. They, mm, I just see them complaining all day long, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, it's going to make it for an entertaining show to see because I'm sure there's going to be lots of tears, people crying. Oh. Like, I can't rehearse anymore. Mm. No, I want to go home. It's going to be filled with drama. It's going to be filled with drama. And that's what they like. Let's move on. All right. Our friend Robin Robin Roberts has a new Disney Plus series that's going to feature feature an intimate roundtable with conversations and female celebrities. So it's Mm -hmm. going to be be on Disney's streaming service, Disney Plus. And they just announced that GMA co-anchor Robin Roberts is going to host an executive produce. It's called Turning the Tables with Robin Roberts. It's a four-episode series featuring intimate roundtable discussions and conversations with female celebrities from all walks of life. LeBron James is also going to serve as an executive producer on the series with his media company, The Spring Hill Company. And in addition to Roberts and James, they've put together a team of executive producers comprised of women, BIPOC, and members of the LGBTQ plus community she says this project is very personal to me and i'm proud to bring it to disney plus the guests we've assembled are an amazing group of women who have all achieved great success in their various careers yeah because you know what you know what robin roberts could not possibly do a talk show without lebron james's help so that makes a lot of sense that he's on board but anyway my question is what color is this table that she's turning is it red by any chance well, I'm uh, maybe it's going to be crimson, so it'll be the crimson bureau as opposed to the red table. So. Wow! Oh, you know, I, I hope that Facebook and um, uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? Jada Pinkett is got uh, their attorneys on speed dial because it's time to sue. She uh, because they have had screamingly popular success with red table talks. And I could see, you know, how Jada does that one eyebrow thing. I know she is leaning back in her chair with that one eyebrow raised. Even so... though, even the verbiage, like we're turning the tables. It's just like, Oh, it's all kinds of slaps in the face to Jada Pinkett and the success that the red table talk has had. I can't believe they even went there with their table and round table and all this table talk. Just come on. Robin That's the Roberts. industry. That's the industry. Nothing is sacred. They are trying to monetize at every turn. I blame LeBron James. I I don't even do. No, I blame her too. So they're all in on this. They're all in on this uh, conspiracy together. I'm like, come on. They could have come up with a different concept. You could have could you couldn't have called it. Uh, you know, at the coffee bar. So you're at high, a high top table and having conversations one on one. Come up with something different. And oh this my god, re- if, if if next week we get an announcement that Robert Roberts is also starting a new show called Channeling Television. Oh, it's on. It, it, it is, is on. on. Are you listening, attorneys in the back? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we, we we will come for you, Robin. <laughs> I don't care that you've been out of the closet for 15 minutes. I will still sue you into the ground. Oh, the views expressed. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's keep going. All right, I guess we come to the end of another episode of TV channeling. I'm super excited, Taji. This was so much fun. So- it was. It was. Thank you for being a friend. 
Oh, and thank you for being a friend. Traveled down the road and back again. But anyway, Todd. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How can people listen to our show other than how they're listening right now? Multitude of ways. You can catch us on Stitcher, get at us on Apple Podcasts, listen to us on Google Podcasts, check us out on Spotify, hang with us on Pandora, go to TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, WJMSRadio.com, and if all else fails, just go to TVChanneling.com where you can listen to past and current episodes. And when you're on your favorite podcasting platform, we would really appreciate it if you gave us a uh, a subscribe. So hit to subscribe so all the new episodes drop and you don't have to do anything. And if you gave us a review, a really nice one, we love you. <laughs> Kevin. So after they do all that, all the assignments I've given them to do, and they maybe want to complain about how much work it was to do all of this, how could they get to us? <laughs> how could they complain to us? How could they complain on social? Okay, you can uh, complain on several different me- several different methods and platforms. So you can go to uh, Facebook, you can go to Twitter, and on Instagram. We are TV channeling everywhere, and we would love to hear from you. So if there's a show you'd like us to review, if you'd like to bitch at us, or even hear our take on a particular story in going on in pop culture or in the world of entertainment, uh, you know, TV and film, let us know we would love to hear from you and we'd appreciate a follow on instagram or twitter or on facebook absolutely and with that we've taken up enough of your time this is a super long episode but trust me it is worth every single second we're gonna sign off the way we always do bye from tachi and goodbye from kevin and remember we watch bad tv so you don't have to and Kevin will be joining that K-pop boy band camp, so look out for him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and I'll be rapping, remember? Low, low, yes. Low-rise jeans with one zipper, eyebrows thin, <laughs> fronts are thick. <laughs> Cheers! Bye.